Welcome back to the Two Men Wall Podcast. Today is the penultimate episode of our uh, State of the Club off-season series. And today is Arsenal Football Club, the one that really needs no preparation from the boys mm-hmm. on our end. Um, we uh, few, missed few minutes of this season. Yeah, Didn't need to go back and really check ins and outs, uh, check uh, forms and stats and stuff like that. They... Uh, I think we got this one pretty on the nose. Yeah, um, yeah Arsenal Football Club today. Um, again, a club that has an important summer, but maybe not as important as some of the ones you talked about, but definitely important when it comes to taking that next step because it seems like they took it in the last season, mm-hmm. and it's important to kind of follow that up with trust in Arteta from the board, and certainly they've gotten that so far in the in the window. Yeah, definitely. but. For now, let's talk about last season. Yeah, because <laughs> this was quite the season. It's a season I haven't had many seasons as an Arsenal fan. I'm sure you could agree in the last that I'd like to go back and record 30 minutes of talking on. But mm. this one, this one might be the first one in quite a quite a long time. Um, we'll start off where they finished in the Premier League, and that was second place. They finished second place in the Premier League. Many thought they may have deserved to finish first. Many said that. They deserve to finish second. Make your own opinions on that. Europa League was their confusing competition, getting knocked out in the round of 16 to Sporting Lisbon, rather dramatically, I should say. Um, Why do you think they deserve to lose that? Again, make your own decisions, but they certainly have an issue in uh, in the choking department. Uh, In the FA Cup, they lost to Man City in the second round that they played in. Um, it was, I believe it was, you know, backups and stuff like that, but you know, that goes for a lot of FA Cup matches. Yeah. Uh, and the League Cup, they lost to Brighton behind closed doors in the first match. This game, I, I didn't watch a second of it because it wasn't available. Yeah. I didn't think I could find the highlights anywhere. <laughs> no, I don't um, think it was televised. Yeah. In the um, and they lost to Brighton in the first round of the League Cup. But this season is just the biggest step in the right direction that I could ever have even dreamt of when it comes to an Arsenal fan. Yeah, it's such an odd season to have overachieved so much and yet have underachieved <laughs> in the end. It's a very difficult place to be. It's a great problem to have, but where does the optimism start and the pessimism sure. end in terms of sure. you know last season? I certainly think that it should be... 99% optimism because this is far more than any Arsenal fan could have hoped for. If you were going to choke a league title, you might as well choke it to the treble winners One themselves. One of the greatest teams ever assembled, sure, yeah. Yeah. So it almost seemed inevitable that, you know, people were saying all season that the elephant was going to, you know, fall oh. from the tree. And eventually it did. But. Again, it just seems like for the last couple of years, this Arsenal rebuild has just been accelerating forward so much faster than anybody could have predicted. And now Arsenal are in this position where they have such a young team who is already playing at such a high level, but is only going to get better. Mm -hmm. And they're already pushing for, you know, the Premier League title. They now have the Champions Mm -hmm. League Obviously, as you mentioned before, they're spending big now, this transfer window. They're clearly looking to make that next step forward. So 
it's a great place to yeah. be for them. Uh, let's break down the squad a little bit because I think it deserves breaking down mm. from the bottom, I guess you could say, starting with Aaron Ramsdale. Um, I mean, for your second season, a player of his criticism, I should say, coming into the club, his second season, obviously impressed in his first season. Um, but this was a player that I think it was one of the question marks coming in, at least coming into the club. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, it's tough to talk about Aaron Ramsdale because like he has had moments where you've been like, yeah, maybe if this team is ever going to win a Premier League, it's not going to be with him. Mm -hmm. And then he's had moments where like, he's going to be the reason we win the Premier yeah. League. Like <laughs> he's one of those polarizing players, but it's been more absolutely objectively more good than bad this mm -hmm. season he's been he has single-handedly taken points away from opponents on several yeah. occasions um but working up from the back obviously William Saliba I said before the season I think you agreed that this guy was going to be special and he's very very special if nothing else if no other reason to show that than when he went down the whole team crumbled maybe yeah. that was like mm -hmm. an above replacement thing with Rob Holding but mm -hmm. like the whole defense crumbled. Yeah. We started giving up two, three go f goals a game. It was ugly. And what it's maybe is a coincidence, but um, I don't think at least part, part of it has to be because William Sleeve went down. Gabrielle had a crazy, you know, coming of age season. Yeah. But I think he got a ton of credit, but honestly, still not mm -hmm. enough because he was phenomenal. Obviously, Alex and Jenko played every position on the field mm -hmm. um, and did it well. Um, a testament to Arteta's tactics. Ben White did about as well as a a player like Ben White could do it right back. You know, mm. he's you know you stick a guy like Lissandra at left back, like probably more natural, a little bit quicker, a little better on the ball, but at least going in. And then Ben White steps up and fills this role so nicely. Uh, he was was he the best right back in the Premier League? Not even close, but like he did his job. He had off games, but he had also great games where mm -hmm. he was very solid. Um, he's there to be a defensive right back instead of an offensive right back mm -hmm. like Trent, for example. And he certainly developed offensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, moving up from the back, Party was really a tale of two halves when it came to him. Yeah. Uh, like, he was my player of the season until the World Cup. Like, maybe him and Jesus. And it, like, I, I seriously, like, one of the greatest 15 game spans I've ever seen out of an Arsenal midfielder. Seriously. He was unbelievable. Yeah. He didn't lose the ball for 15 games. Like, <laughs> unbelievable and then all of a sudden i don't even know what it was there was there, there was no injuries there was no nothing all of a sudden just over the couple span of a couple of games he kind of just fell apart mm -hmm. in his form started giving the ball away bad touches things like yeah. that at the end of the season he got dropped really yeah deservedly yeah. so yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he just had a really poor end um martin odegaard can't say enough things about him we said enough things about him during the team of the season podcast um granite jocka i mean can't ask for much more out of him last mm -hmm. season at the club um what a full circle for yeah. <laughs> ending for him um it kind of seems odd to say because Jaka had been one of arsenal's longest serving players but he was almost the breakout star of that season yeah. just because he was in such a different role yeah playing as almost a second striker yeah yeah and um we'd seen like a bit of that role towards the back end of the uh -huh. season before yeah. last and i said that's all well and good but if we want to play that way we need somebody 
other than Jaka to play yeah. that role because he he just can't do it. But he completely proved me wrong because he was a revelation there. Yeah, yeah I, everything you could have asked for out of Granit Xhaka and more. We didn't even get a screamer this year. Yeah. We didn't get like a Granite Jaka 30 yard yeah. screamer. No free kicks. He was no, in the nothing. box too much. Yeah, no, honestly. Um, um, then moving up the field, Gabriel Martinelli, obviously coming of age year for him. Top goal scorer in the league, I think. Um, well, for Arsenal. For Arsenal yeah, for Arsenal, obviously. Um, and then Bukayo Saka. I, I think we both said that we thought we, he was going to have a down year, and it turned out to be his best mm. year for Arsenal yet. Yeah. Um. So, you know, fuck do we know. <laughs> uh. And then Gabriel Jesus slash Eddie Nketiah at striker. I uh, can't say enough things about Gabriel Jesus. Full season of him, you know, God knows what people would be saying about him, really. Yeah. Um. Came back and was still Gabriel Jesus. Um, for the most part, ACL injuries are very, very scary. But he came back and was, you know, still irreplaceable for the most part. Um, and Eddie Ketia, a player that I have slandered to no end for every second he has put on an Arsenal jersey. And deservedly so. He was not very good at finishing, at holding the ball up. Everything you need to do to do mm-hmm. a striker, he was poor at and he displayed that every single time he stepped on the field until the season yeah he was very very good this season he finished when he needed to he held the ball up when he needed to i uh, i thought the season was over when Gabriel jesus went down and eddie and Ketia proved me wrong yeah so credit to eddie but yeah and then trossard came in played very well he's gonna be a very 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 important rotational player coming up this season mm. um tierney put his head down and did the job when he needed to um Vieira was unimpressive, but so be it. Emil Smith Rowe missed most of the season. Reese Nelson, obviously, Bournemouth. Can hang your hat on and that. And not just Bournemouth. Yeah, so no, many <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like came uh, out against Nottingham Forest, scored two quite, goals yeah, and yeah. an assist. I think. Um so yeah, I I'll, this squad's definitely in a really good place. Um so many coming of age years uh, up and down the squad for this team. Um Young guys, too. Obviously, one of the youngest, if not the youngest team in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Starting 11 in the Premier League, um, to have this much quality is just mind-boggling when it comes to, you know, a fan. So, season grades. Season grades, season grades, season grades. What you got? I have an A. Um, I think at the, like foundational idea of this grade is that if Arsenal had just gotten top four and had the season that they expect that mm-hmm. a lot of people expected, which was that, you know, Arsenal were progressing well, they were two points off gang mm-hmm. top four the previous season, that they were gonna, you know, push again, it'd be a struggle. Tottenham were gonna be right there with them, mm-hmm. but this time they would get over the line. If that was the case and they didn't do too much anywhere else, I think I would have given an A minus. No, they didn't do anything anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. But however, they did have you know their best Premier League season uh-huh. in well over a yeah. decade. So I think that's deserving of an A. Just not only not only the you know the achievement of uh-huh. getting second place, but uh, also the signings. First yeah. of all, pretty much all of their signings were uh-huh. successful. Zinchenko, yeah. Jesus, they didn't make too many. Vieira, you know, he's a young player, wasn't great this yeah. season, but still developing. Uh-huh. And then Matt Turner is a great backup. Yeah. Looks like he's gonna be a solid, you know, number two option uh-huh. for them. And then just also the style of soccer they play, just the eye test. Yeah. Again, I meant I said so often during 
the season that Arsenal had just played with a certain swagger that I've never seen before, where they stepped out there and they played like sure. they were you know the best team in the country. Yeah. And when they played like that, it was just a sight to behold. And they did that for a lot of the season. And obviously, that tailed away towards mm-hmm. the end. But I think you can just see that this club is heading in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I have also been a... Uh, obviously, if they won the league, it would have been an A plus. That's that would have been the dream. And I said before, A plus should be like the pixie dust magical season. I don't think Arsenal fans, hopefully, are going to look back on the season and say like this was one of the seasons of Arsenal's you know last twenty five years. Um, so that's why I'm going to give it an A. If it was a the Premier League win, obviously one of these seasons, memorable, up in lights, everything A plus. They didn't get it done in the end. They didn't have anything else in Europe, FA Cup, anything like that to bump them up to the A+. So it's just an A. But again, set it for um, Newcastle. Unbelievable season. Everything but that Pixie Dust special season. Um, you said this, play, this club's in a great spot. I mean, young manager that seems to have a grip on the squad. Young team that's coming of age. Um money coming in and backing the manager uh fans in a very good place emirates was buzzing this year that's like check 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 that's everything you could want from a club and i mean you want to say season grade for like positivity and going into next season a plus 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 because i've never been more optimistic in my you know 21 years in this planet with any honestly any organization i've supported Yankees, Islanders, Giants. I've never been more optimistic than this fucking team. The Yankees have, they're big bad Yankees. They've spent so much money over the past. You've so many reasons to be optimistic as a Yankees fan. Not right now, but all time. This is the most optimistic I've ever been about a, a sports franchise that I've supported, at least. The Giants Super Bowls came from nothing. Mm-hmm. So it, that, those didn't come from like it's stellar squads. They came from Eli Manning magic. So like this is, this is the, I would say this period of time for this club is the most confident I've ever felt as a sports fan. And that's saying something because I support a lot of teams yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on both sides of the pond. So where do we go from here? Certainly, there are holes to fill. The clear difference between Arsenal and Man City, who are the team they will be chasing for both the Champions League, likely, and the uh, Premier League, is squad depth. Because their first 11s, although Man City's might edge it a little bit with Holland De Bruyne, are getting to that same tier of quality, certainly with guys like Declan Rice in there. Um, but it's the depth that needs to improve. So where does this squad need to improve behind the first 11 that's going to get them to that level? Honestly, I think the only place where Arsenal have left to strengthen depth is midfield. Because besides Rice... We have Party, who I think... It's going to be Al Nassar in a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, or somewhere else, because Party, as much as I'd love to hold on to him, he's uh-huh. simply too good of a player yeah. to you know, be willing to play as, a ba- as a Rice's backup. Yeah. And then after that, you have... Well, they, um, don't, they do need a, a midfield pivot now. Is it going to be Odegaard-Havertz? Because I feel like it's very offensive for some of these It teams. is very offensive. We're going to get but, shredded against mm-hmm. the Cities and the Liverpools with teams like that. I do think that Arteta has intended on Havertz, you know, replacing Jaka uh-huh. 
in that role. And obviously Havertz is not as defensive minded as Jaka. They're two different players. But then again, I feel like Rice is has more defensive quality than Party. So maybe mm-hmm. it balances out slightly. Yeah. Um but yeah, behind Rice, assuming Party leaves, it's just El Nenny and Lakonga, and that's simply just yeah. Yeah. not enough. Yeah. Uh you know. Oh, there's Jorginho, of course. Yeah. Um but I think they're gonna wanna secure just one more player mm-hmm. to Jorginho and Rice are too similar, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the party Jaka thing was good because they were they had their mm-hmm. own kind of shticks in the yeah. midfield and they didn't play the same game. Jorginho uh, Rice is a bigger, better, more effective version of Jorginho. What Jorginho is great at, you know, ball progression, hanging onto the ball, um, maybe tackling, but not really tackling. Mm-hmm. Rice can tackle, passes better, progresses better, is stronger, is faster. Like, he is just, like, Jorginho 7.0, basically. Yeah. So, like, they play very much the same game. One, obviously, better than the other. But two, like, defensive, defensive midfielders that are really not going to, you know, drive the ball forward with their feet are... Although, Rice can do it on occasion, but, like, two pivots, I would say. Mm. I don't know if that's the right way to go. And I don't think that Arteta would necessarily want to do that because he likes to have that second that Jaka midfielder push up and the left back come in so are you gonna send Declan Rice up to striker mm, I don't know about that or Jorginho certainly not Jorginho yeah. um so yeah I I couldn't see them both on the same team and I think that if there was a I agree if there was a position that needed immediate attention it would be that although I have seen in both the Nuremberg game and the MLS All-Star game I think I said I played right in Nuremberg. Yeah. Um, that Kivier actually hopped up. Maybe because he was playing that left back, like mm. center mid role, but he hopped up into the CDM role. Again, a def- a ver- would if he wanted to play up as, a, as a midfielder, he would be a defensive midfielder. He wouldn't be a Jaka, like, although he did very well in the skills challenge. Mm. Uh, he wouldn't be a Jaka, like, attacking mid, uh, like, attacking eight. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, missing out on Tielemans. Who could have played that role really well and did yeah. that like like for like replacement is or maybe Kaiseido could maybe fill that role. I mean you We're want to dump another you want to dump another eighty million on a player. I mean I'm not gonna stop you, but uh there's probably some quote unquote budget options that could uh slide into yeah. that role. So yeah, midfield. That's certainly a, an area of need. Other than that, the issues with depth is Honestly, that we have too much in some positions, and that's what we'll get into with right. a striker position yeah. with Inketia and Balogun. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, here's the thing about the situation. Um, one just signed a new contract, mm-hmm. um, and that was probably a heartfelt negotiation yeah. for Arteta because Inketia wasn't getting playing time. He was getting frustrated. He had offers on the table, signed the documents, um, and he somehow stayed and signed a new contract for Arsenal. So there was definitely some promises made in that in that yeah. contract negotiation from the manager. Mm-hmm. Balogun, on the other hand, coming back from loan, has already said publicly that he does not want to play backup striker mm-hmm. football. Clearly getting interest from other clubs, same as Nketiah did last summer. Um, definite. It's clear that one is more out the door than the other. But in a world where Arteta chooses one to be a backup and one to sell, 
Who should it be? On paper. Now, on paper, I think most would say that Balogun is the more talented player, or at the very <laughs> least has more potential yeah. than Inketia. But the thing is, even if even if Balogun was willing to be a backup striker, which we've already established that he's not, mm-hmm. Balogun is simply too valuable of an asset not to sell if we're not going to utilize him yeah. that much. If we're if he's just going to be a backup striker, the Jesus, and we already have Inketia, who's proven that he can be a really solid backup striker mm-hmm. and a player who's already mentally committed to being a backup yeah. striker. And obviously, on paper, he's committed yeah. to that by signing a new contract. Yeah. Then why are we just having a player who's worth potentially forty million yeah. just sitting on our uh, bench? It yeah. just doesn't make sense, especially considering the fact that Arsenal have spent so much uh-huh. this transfer window. They're gonna want to recuperate, you know, yeah. some money. So I think in any scenario, Balogun is gonna be the one to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I. It's tough because Balogun has never done in the Premier League. In fact, when he played in the Premier League, he looked pretty average. Um, meanwhile, Kete came in for 9-10 games last season and played very well. Um, is content with being a backup to Jesus. Um, so it totally, totally makes sense to sell Balogun and keep Nketiah. However, if this was career mode, <laughs> I'm probably selling Nketiah because Balogun has a higher upside, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um... Which makes the, you know, decision so much more difficult mm-hmm. because I'm sure, not, I'm not sure because, you know, maybe Arteta's an emotional connection to Nketia having convinced him to stay last summer, but I'm sure somewhere in that dressing room they know that Balgan's the higher upside player. He's also younger, I think, mm-hmm. by a couple of years. Um, but other than him, Nicholas Pepe's still a gunner. Um, he wasn't on, he's not unfortunately, he's not in yeah. the traveling squad, is he? No, we're we're trying we're trying to get rid of him, yeah. but there's no takers. I, I think, I, yeah, he's got a foot out the door. Yeah, he's probably going back to League One or something, or Saudi Arabia. Who knows? Um, by the way, remember on the Newcastle podcast, I was like Saudi Arabia for Alan Saint Maximum. Literally yeah. twenty four yeah, hours yeah. later, he's now <laughs> like signed documents. He's going to Saudi Arabia, but um, Thomas Party apparently is joining up with the squad in uh, maybe New York. But I think after that, because it was originally he was like contract negotiating elsewhere, but then it like broke down apparently. And now he's like maybe on his way back to what? I don't know. It's I haven't all... really heard much about transfer rumors and Thomas Party. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of just in the air, like it makes sense that he yeah. leaves, but I haven't really heard anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Emil Smith Rowe coming off a what I heard. I mean, none of the games were televised here, but what mm-hmm. I heard was a very impressive U21 mm-hmm. or U23. Um, U21. U21. He's, he's, he's younger than 21. Apparently. Wow. It's probably 21. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, U21 World Cup campaign where he was one of the stars there. Pretty stacked squad uh, that I saw. Yeah. I think uh, Jacob Ramsey played. Mm-hmm. Um, Gibbs White. Levi Chilo. Yeah, Gibbs White. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's what, like 30 game starter for. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, Nottingham Forest. Anyway, um, maybe we should do a U twenty one recap podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, L- Smith Rowe. I fucking love Smith Rowe. He revived this club mm. last season when we needed it most. Um, injuries are one thing. I can't remember what his injury was, but he didn't definitely didn't look like the same like aggressive, you know, 
drive the ball forward, mm. make in-road passes that he was when he was playing before the injury. But he is 100% an asset, and you want to talk about a player that could maybe step up in that Jocker role? Maybe it's ML Smith-Rowe. Definitely more of an aggressive tackler mm. than Kai Havertz, because I think everybody's a more aggressive tackler than Kai Havertz. Um, but I, I like this squad composition. It's clear what Arteta's doing with this whole like versatile player roles mm. and versatility is yeah. depth type thing. Like Timber can play across the back mm. line. Tommy Austin can play across the back line. Um, Havertz is going to play in this like Jaka role yeah. or you know he could play the nine if he needs yeah. to obviously players like Trossard I, and Jay-Z can Havert, play out yeah, wide if Havertz, is the playing the, if Havertz is playing the nine we got worse issues yeah. <laughs> I mean he played the nine at Chelsea it's the last resort yeah. but <laughs> I mean I'd play Trossard up there before played him at the nine um, he stunk the place up in Chelsea <laughs> at the nine and that was one of the reasons why he stunk the place up mm. I wouldn't stick him back up the thing is if he plays like at the nine, he's never gonna be playing like a, as a pure number nine. I mean, Jesus starts the game at nine, but he's yeah, playing yeah. all over the place. There's no pure nines in Arteta's system, yeah. and that's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah. Um, but going along with that theme, it would make sense if he signed like a versatile eight to play like as a Declan Rice or Gino backup if one of them goes down. Rice has had a pretty clean injury history as well, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, which is also nice. Mm-hmm. No, what Arteta's done is he's gotten a squad of young players with a lot of yeah. experience already uh-huh. under their belt. And that's the thing. People may look at the squad and see inexperience yeah. because they, you know, see the average age is, you know, the youngest in the Premier League. But it's not just about age, it's about, you know, experience and so many of these young players, I mean, Sokka's been a starter for this team for three years. You know, Martinelli's had so many games under his belt for this team. And like you said, Rice, uh, very clean injury history. He's already captained West Ham. You know, this is a young team, but they have so much experience. I mean, Odegaard's captain already. I mean, he was a wonder kid at age 15. Uh-huh. He has more yeah. playing experience than a lot of 30-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really just about age. It is about um, yeah, absolutely the number of games under their belt. And this Arsenal squad, although they're young, they've now got a lot of experience. Um, do you see Rice as a future captain? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can yeah. see him as a future captain. I mean, I guess it would depend upon you know what happens with Odegaard. Odegaard yeah. but, um, Rice definitely has the leadership capabilities, and it seems like. And you know what I've read about him, that's one of the things that uh, Arteta is looking for in his young players. Mm-hmm. That again, you know, he wants a young squad, but he wants those players to be experienced and to be leaders. Because again, that's the kind of culture he's trying to form. So I could see honestly any one of the Arsenal players in this eleven yeah. becoming a captain in yeah. theory. They have that, you know, material. Yeah. I mean, Jesus is one of the oldest players in the squad. He's 26. Yeah, Martinelli and Saka are both, you know, hungry guys that play for the badge. Saka Mm -hmm. obviously coming coming from Hale End. Um, Declan Rice, obviously captain West Ham. Gabrielle and Saliba, both very strong leaders. Um, Zinchenko is one of the most passionate guys on the pitch. Ben White. I could not 
see Ben White as the captain. That's one guy <laughs> that simply is not captain material. And I mean that in the best way possible. Dude is very good at football. He's mm-hmm. not captain material. Aaron Ramsdale is. Ben White, unfortunately, yeah. not for him. Um, Tommy Asso, I would say the same thing. More reserved. But, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about the squad is that, like, there's no real followers. It's, they're all kind of mm-hmm. play for the badge, which it, you wonder why they choke so much with so many guys that, you know, play for each other. But hopefully it'll fix itself. Yeah. Um, I will hope to be proven wrong, but I feel like that's, that could be something that bites this team for years to come. But if it's choking in the Champions League semifinals or finals that I have to deal with, then I guess we'll have to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with that... Just no buying for this. <laughs> well, just for this first coming. season. It's just coming. give us a break. It's <laughs> one year. No buying. Uh, it's Newcastle now. Arsenal-Newcastle semifinal. Book it. And with that, we will round it out for this mini podcast just one to go tottenham hotspur left another doozy of a season yet to break down uh we got that coming up in a couple days and with that we'll sign off adios see ya